Welcome to the Core Connected and Committed podcast. I am Lorraine Prince and it is my pleasure to welcome Dr. Naomi Graham to this month's podcast. She is a children's occupational therapist who completed her PhD in the experience of play for children with cerebral palsy and is the founder and CEO of the charity Growing Hope which provides free therapy for children and young people with additional needs in partnership with churches across the UK. In addition to all these achievements, she is the author of Love Surpassing Knowledge, More Than Ramps, Understanding and Implementing Accessibility. The book focuses on sparks that ignite and create fires of action to create and sustain accessible communities within church settings. Welcome. Um, so let's get to the title. Yeah. You called it Love Surpassing Knowledge. And we know that our relationship with God is anchored in love. And that, that we see each other, and we should see each other in a loving way. And for many of the many of the relationships that we have with uh, people who may identify as sent it's hard for them actually to see or articulate that love that that God has for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you first talked about your relationship with uh, children who may identify as sent in the book. When did you start to have that realization that, yeah, you know, this is a love community and this is something that we need to embrace and push forward that everybody should be able to feel inclusive in their relationship, not only with God, but with each other. Yeah, a great question. And thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I think, I think for me, I mean, there are so many stories that I could tell. I think, you know, when I was like 10, 11, I remember really misunderstanding a little boy who used a wheelchair. And actually, in a moment, I, I tried to write his name on a on a piece of paper, like a craft for him. I'd taken it off him and he looked at me and he was like, I can write my own name. And in that moment, I was like, oh gosh, like I've just tried to judge somebody who actually I've I've put my own perception on on him without really thinking about it. But I think for me, in terms of love surpassing knowledge, the reason that it's called love surpassing knowledge is about that. Uh, verse in Ephesians where Paul talks about I pray that you may know the love of God that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God and I met a, a young lady we'll call Abby at New Wine whilst I was working there and she couldn't walk she couldn't talk she couldn't eat by herself um you know she needed help with all of the things that she does in her every day and yet she carried the most amazing sense of God's peace and God's presence with her like wherever she went and you know Abby really she really sadly died when she was 14 but I went to her funeral and person after person after person got up and they were like I know more of God because I got to spend time with Abby and I think so often we discount people because of because of their additional needs because of um things that are going on for them and we see we don't choose to see with the eyes that God sees and I think you know God wants all of us to know and experience his love and to be a part of church community. And yeah, that's what I really wanted to demonstrate with, you know, both in, in the book and through what we're doing in Growing Hope, that actually everyone is so valuable and, and has a part to play. You, you know, you talk a lot about, you know, you just mentioned <clears throat> seeing what 
we want to see and not seeing what God wants us to see. And you talk a lot about in, um, the senses in this book and a lot of the way that you uh, push us forward into action is through the senses. And, you know, you know, our listeners are aware that we five senses. We talk about that a lot in school, you know. Yeah. Um, but you talk about eight senses. Can you elaborate a little bit more about the eight senses? Yeah, totally. So as an occupational therapist, we're often often talking about sensory processing is one of the things we love. Um, so in the book, I talk about that. So we've got our sense of sight, smell, taste, hearing and touch. So they're probably the five that you know about. And then you've got those three more. So your vestibular sense, which is your sense of balance. So that's about how um, fast I'm moving and the direction that I'm moving in. It helps me to know if my head's, you know, upside down or the right way up, if I'm moving or I'm stopped. My sense of proprioception, which is a really important sense. So that's my sense of where my body is in space. I know where my body is without looking. I can tell you if my legs are crossed or not crossed. That's because of that proprioceptive sense. And then there's a sense called introception, which is an, an internal sense. That's about whether I'm hungry, whether I need the toilet, whether I'm thirsty, all of those kind of things. So we process the world through all of those senses. And if you think of a triangle, you may or may not have come across this, but this is from the Alert Programme for Self-Regulation. It's, it's looking at how we regulate ourselves within the world, like according to our senses. Um, but there's a the kind of the image of a triangle where you've got three core senses at the bottom. So you've got your touch, your balance, and your body awareness right at the bottom of that triangle. And those things, those senses underpin everything that we do, right up to our academic learning, to our ability to communicate, to our ability to do our everyday tasks. We rely on those touch, balance, and, and body awareness at the start of it. And the one that we always talk about as occupational therapists that I'm, I talk about a lot in the book um, is, is all about proprioception, body awareness. Actually, the more we're aware of where our body is, the more grounded we feel. We know, and I think our brains are amazing, this sense of, of kind of movement and of knowing where our body is actually enables us in terms of our attention and concentration, our ability to focus. So the more movement we do, the more we're able to focus, but also it's a way that we can kind of, yeah, be more able to connect with others. And I think that that, that goes really in alignment with looking at our connection between church, school, church, community, community school, and making sure that we have an awareness that, mm -hmm there has to be an evolution of what these things look like, how we're seeing them through God and not through our own lenses. And you talk a lot about using those senses in church and acknowledging that there couldn't be, you know, overstimulation of some of the senses and what do we do to neutralize that? And I really like the fact that, you know, you went into a lot of detail in the book of like practical solutions of what you know churches can do but you know there are some times where we are moving in spaces where people really want to move into action they're, they're ignited into action as you say in the book mm -hmm. and but they come across places and people that may be a little bit more risk adverse yeah how do we um give them suggestions to, to make sure that we're working harmoniously to make sure that everybody feels inclusive and what can churches do and what can schools do to make sure that they are in relation with each other 
in this work? Yeah, great question. I think the first thing that that anyone can do is to think about, you know, stories like that story of Abby, think about our approach and our attitude to community. Like if we see throughout the Bible that Jesus brings people from who are perceived as on the edges right into the center of community, if we can have that kind of vision in the way that we approach church and community we can enable like that's a massive shift and that enables people to think about what they can do and um, but practically I think it's it's really important to make changes for everyone rather than just one person so often I have conversations with schools or churches where they're like oh we've got this child and they're really struggling or this adult and we're not quite sure what to do with them and actually um, if we do something that enables accessibility across the whole space, that can make a big difference. So really simple things like how we say hello to people, like choosing to say hello, um, you know, choosing to talk to a child first rather than their carer, using movement breaks. So I talked a tiny bit just then about the importance of, of body awareness and proprioception. The more that we move we call it heavy work movement the more kind of pressure through our joints that we get so that could be you know walking like a bear or a crab or giving myself a big hug or pushing the wall or playing crab football or even like helping stack the chairs or get some big toys out the more movement we do the more everyone is able to kind of feel calm and able to join in so movement breaks can be really good and then being multi-sensory so really thinking about when we're engaging people in learning whether that's like in school or in church or in those kind of activities that we do together thinking about that triangle and like the fact that all of our senses underpin everything that we learn how can we use more than one sense in the way that we communicate something you know could I have a story bag so that actually we can experience like what it felt like if we spray the water when we're talking about the story of God parting the sea for the Israelites to, to escape to Egypt, like, you know, thinking about how we engage people with, with the whole aspect of it. So I think, you know, so when, when I think of that in my experiences, a lot of the times it's done in isolation in rooms. And I know that that's a time and a place where we do that in church. You, you know, you bring them into a room to, to help, you know, especially with our children to help like Sunday school and so on and so forth. But if we're talking about an inclusive experience and, and, you know, church and school uniting and marrying and making sure that all our children feel like they're seen and they are heard, then that should be in the main body of the, of, of the delivery. Um, yeah. And I think it's, a, it's kind of a rethinking of what school, church, community relationship looks like and and how have we built it how we built this how Mm -hmm. we built this structure this house if we want to call it that and who have we built it for yeah absolutely and I think you know in adding to that like that a big thing for us at Growing Hope is is community one of our values is community and about wanting everyone to be seen heard and able to belong and I think for particularly for schools and churches, like not just thinking about the individual who has additional needs and, and, you know, obviously doing all those things we've just talked about practically, but also thinking about the whole family. So one of the things that we've done at Growing Hope is develop courses that can be run both 
in partnership with schools like through local churches so we've got a course called when dreams change which is all about what happens when your hopes and dreams change because of your children's needs and we talk about we use the story of Joseph and it's a four week course we talk about how to fill up our own cup so we can give to our children we talk about that experience of kind of loss and of changing our dreams we talk about who's in our support network what does that look like and then our siblings group, which again, we often run in schools. So um, in those like afternoon slots, people from the church could come in and, and run this group so that brothers and sisters of children with additional needs can connect to each other, can share their experience, process some of their feelings. And, you know, within those groups, I've had a little girl who she was really shy she didn't really talk we use puppets and things to help children engage she didn't talk for maybe the first um few weeks I mean you know she talked but not very much and then we got to week five and she was like oh elephant has a story we were like great like what's elephant's story and she was like oh elephant was in the playground playing and she was with her brother and everyone was pointing and laughing and elephant felt really embarrassed and Obviously, that's a really hard story to hear, but it was an amazing breakthrough moment for that little girl that she'd felt so safe in that group that she could actually start to process some of her feelings and what had happened in that moment for her. And that has, you know, sometimes even just sharing our feeling helps us to be able to contain that more and enables connection. So I think a massive thing that schools and churches can do is think about how they can partner together to do things like that, like, we at Growing Hope, we run facilitator training so that people can run those courses like all across the UK, wherever they are based. And that's the kind of thing that I think can make a big difference to families, it, just in terms of feeling like they belong and that they're welcome. I know one of the things that resonated for me about the Growing Hope Foundation um, was the siblings interaction. Mm. Um, you know, as a mum with a child who identifies as SEND, I often don't think about that. And it's really hard to even acknowledge and admit that, mm -hmm. you know, but when, when, you know, in reading the book and in having conversations with you and thinking like, you know, my daughter has taken on this caretaker role not yeah. because she's been placed or we've asked her to, but she organically has taken on this caregiver role. But then there's no outlook for her to say, this is what I'm feeling or this is how I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's probably another thing that really, you know, was like, wow, you know, we could really look at this and say, what are we providing for our siblings of of children who are, you know, who, who, who identify as sent? And what are we doing to, to nurture them and allow them to say, do you see me in this responsibility? Mm. Or, do, you know, do you see me as an individual? You know what I mean? So I think yeah. that that's something that I really, you know, appreciate that work that your, you know, your organization, organization is doing, because yeah. a lot of the times they do get sidelined and lost in the shuffle yeah. of, of the wider person who, you know, is a who who rightfully so does need some additional support yeah totally and we you know the research says that like we know that both parents and carers and siblings do experience like increased feelings of kind of isolation and that can lead to increased mental health 
needs and so we yeah that's why it's just so important for us to make sure that everyone is really seen and heard and I and I think that that's really the way forward isn't it we all make sure that we are seen and heard Mm -hmm. and that when we talk about inclusivity it is inclusive of everybody and and the work that you know your organization is doing make sure that the work is is being done by you but also being done by schools and churches and we align ourselves uh with love and Mm -hmm. and and you know and in a christian distinctive way and i think moving forward into this space is there anything any words of encouragement any any type of um uh love that you can offer out to our listeners about this work about how they're feeling about this work or where they can move forward yeah totally I think the biggest thing is just you know I mean, there's always a well done. There's a well done for choosing to see people not in the way the world sees them, but choosing to actually really value the the person in front of you and the family in front of you. I think there's, you know, what I would encourage people to do is like keep pushing into that way you can, like keep thinking about how you can reflect Jesus in the way that you bring people who are perceived as on the edge into the center of community. Think about that principle of how do I make changes for everyone rather than just one person because actually if we're a church if we're a school that has got lots of accessibility stuff in place and you know there's loads of practical ideas in my book um and you, you it's not possible to list them all but if you've if you've got lots of practical things in place even if it's you know a, a basket of pipe cleaners by the door so that anyone could walk in have something in their hands to fidget with to help them so concentrate more easily you know that's that's a really easy thing to do a, a box of ear defenders so that if it's too noisy someone can just pick them up really easily if we're doing those kind of things that make our spaces and communities more accessible we are starting to really show that love that that God shows for each of us whoever we are if we're thinking not just you know how can I support this young person if we're thinking like we like Abby like how can I release them into their gifting you know Abby in the world size couldn't can't couldn't really do very much at all and yet her life impacted so many people's lives because because she carried God's presence and God's peace with her. And if we can shift our perspective and think about that, then that that makes a really big difference to what we're doing. Well, we really appreciate your time today. And thank you for um, providing us with your insight. And I hope everybody rushes out and and mm-hmm. finds where you are and how they can get involved and making sure that this environment that we are living in uh, is more reflective of God's what God wants for us and is a more inclusive place so thank you for your time thank you thanks so much Shereen